Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Well, it's been an interesting relationship with Vince McMahon. He was one of those guys who would just stick it to me just to do it for, you know, for whatever reason. He's a killer. He's buried the hatchet in my back a few times. Man, but better businessman. Oh, by far. At one point in time, the idea of WWE and the UFC being cooperative in any way at all seemed like a totally bizarre thing to even think about. Because, well, the industry between each of the organization figureheads has been, well, less than ideal, but in particular from Vince McMahon, who very clearly regarded MMA as a competitor instead of some sort of business parallel. If Vince hears this, he's going to go nuts, okay? Vince wanted to fight me. Come on. I swear to God. And man, the lengths he went to range from the petty to the downright destructive. Then I got a phone call from Vince McMahon. It's the one message I wish I would have saved. Just before I fought Anderson Silva, and it was basically a offer, no call, no show. Be on Raw with the belt on Monday to stick it up Dana White's ass. What? Yeah, there's a lot. And that's what I'll jump into today. The times Vince McMahon personally went after the UFC. Big shout out to our Hall of Famers, by the way. You guys are awesome. All right, so let's start with the first one, Mike Goldberg. This one is well known for good reason. It is incredibly ironic considering how his contract was, let's say, not renewed at the end of 2016. He had no send off, no warm regards, not a single explanation. What's the, what's the deal? Like, did he decide to leave or are you like, who's being, uh, you know, when these kind of things happen, I'd rather not talk about it. What makes it even more compelling to learn about, though, is well, at one point, Vince McMahon hatched an elaborate plan to steal Mike Goldberg from the UFC in the most disrespectful manner possible. The story goes back to the year 2005. Prior to this, MMA was beyond struggling and in massive debt. They were still trying to claw their way back from all of that horrible marketing that gave them short-term success in the 90s, but in the long haul nearly got them banned across the entirety of the US. You tell people somebody might die in the cage, they probably are going to believe you. Two men enter, one man leaves. Well, what is that suggesting? That's suggesting that someone's going to die. What do you think of, you know, the ultimate fighting championship today? What's your assessment? I still don't like it. I still think it's exploitive and I still think it's too brutal. But they are correct and I respect that they have made some, some changes for the better. And violence is a very, very real part of life. Controlled violence, agreed upon controlled violence. What's wrong with it? There's never been a death in the UFC. And even if there is, you know, People die, you know, everybody dies. People die every day. That's when the ultimate fighter hit and suddenly the sport completely exploded. Hence why this period is called the tough boom. And well, the network they happened to be airing on Spike 
also just so happened to be the same network that WWE was on, which means the network was running ads about the UFC during Monday Night Raw. The Ultimate Fighter premieres Monday after Raw only on Spike TV. So what's the problem here? Well, as Chael Sonnen tells it, this prompted an immediate phone call from Vince McMahon directly to Dana White. So Vince is saying to Dana privately, why would anybody watch my scripted show when they can just wait till it's over to watch your real show? Do not advertise your show during my show again. And Dana's kind of sitting there shrugging his shoulders going, who Spike decides to run the marketing and the advertising and, and, and to piggyback off of? It, man, it's got nothing to do with me. Yeah, I think that gives you a perfect idea of how Vince saw the UFC as a threat back in those days. But in retaliation for the UFC running ads on Raw, Vince McMahon contacts Mike Goldberg and he tells Mike Goldberg I will give you a hundred thousand dollars to no call no show the UFC Goldberg does the right thing and the very first person he calls is Dana and Vince tells him this call never happened and I will say I will wire you this money on your word this was as part of their return to the USA Network for the first time in five years, and they wanted to make a statement going head-to-head -head for the first time. So yeah, simple as that, screw the UFC for 100 k and a long-term contract to hopefully follow. And any fans of the Attitude Era saw this on a weekly basis within the WWF and WCW. It was an old competitive tactic. There's a fantastic interview with Giancarlo Alino on YouTube where Mike Goldberg told them why he chose not to take up the deal. So I was very honored by the offer from the WWE. Um, I did feel as, you know, part of a family because we were very much a tight knit family at the time. This boat that was out in all this tumultuous water and we had no idea what we were doing. And for a while, the boat wasn't really that nice, was about to find an island and there was a chance that island could be pretty nice i wanted to see where the voyage was going to go and thus i ended up you know staying with the ufc i don't think dana was ever more proud of me than that moment because he felt like he beat vince right vince tried to steal me and i stayed so yeah mike goldberg was as loyal as they come again this makes me think of the unceremonious way he was let go from the company either way Think of this as the first strike once the UFC found success under Zufa and Vince started to really see them as a threat. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Bumping the UFC. So as you might imagine, this push to take the UFC's then-signature play-by-play voice didn't stop there, especially now that the two brands had begun actually competing for the same 18 to 35 male demographic on Monday nights after WWE left Spike, with UFC programming remaining on Spike TV and Monday Night Raw on USA Network. So McMahon decided to take things a step further. So Dana, but right then realized, if he's willing to pay a hundred grand for my announcer who is replaceable and I'm only paying my main event 18 and 18 
I got a problem. This is a this is a level of thinking of strategy of business play that I'm just not I'm just not ready for. And not only did Goldberg stay, not only did the business change, the ultimate fighter never played Monday nights again. The ultimate fighter moved to Wednesdays and has never gone back. Chell's recollection isn't exactly spot on here as Tough 3 in 2006 began airing on Thursdays. But yeah, back then, Raw was doing well more than double the ratings of Tough and even in their key demographic. So the change was a no-brainer to move to a less contested night, which was certainly the intention of Vince McMahon's counter-programming. And it went a step further. Vince, while they are both on Monday nights, began buying ad time on Spike TV to come and watch Monday Night Raw instead of The Ultimate Fighter. That's right, they were airing during the show to leave that network and go watch Raw. So why the hell would Spike allow somebody to run ads to leave their network? Well, on a national level, they did not allow this. But locally, this was a completely different story. What he would do is he would call all across the United States and book up local ad time. So the end result meant people were leaving as they were watching UFC content to go watch Raw instead on the USA Network. Which means you got a two for one here, Vince pulling down the ratings, causing the UFC to switch dates for the Ultimate Fighter, which eventually led to Wednesdays. And yeah, there are probably people screaming at whatever device they're watching this on because I think most fans categorize pro wrestling and MMA as two completely different things. And I totally agree with that. I think a lot of people would say Vince had nothing to actually worry about. And Dana White definitely agrees with that opinion as well. I'm not out to be Vince McMahon or, or, or to... I think that we're two totally different sport. Uh, we're a sport. He's, he's entertainment. He's going to do his thing and have his fans and I have mine. But the other side of that, though, is it is the same demographic, 18 to 35 males, no matter how you slice it. But beyond that, part of me wonders if this was wishful thinking in some way on the part of Vince, considering his take on what competition did for his business only a couple years prior. Uh, unquestionably, it was healthy to have WCW as a competitor when they were good competitors, yes. Do you wish, do you wish maybe they were still around? Yes, I do. And it doesn't stop here. So that leads us on to our next one, stealing a champion. Yeah, it's one thing to take announcers and bump ratings, but what about trying to steal a UFC champion? When Chel Sonnen was in the midst of his absolutely massive rivalry with Anderson Silva, he pretty notably caught the eye of Vince McMahon. I wonder why. Was that prior to 117 or 148? The second one. Someone called you and asked you not to show. No call, no show. I got two offers. Or the second one was do show and beat him and be on Raw with the belt on Monday. This is insane. And that was a much bigger offer. Uh, Who called? I can't tell you. I, I said, why, why would they want that? Yeah. Why would they want that? And he said, he paused and he said to stick it up Dana White's ass. What? How much money are we talking about? Seven figures. Seven figures. Yeah. And to this day, I would have done it. I would have taken the belt. I would have been on Raw. I just don't know how it would have stuck it to Dana. I don't know how Dana would have any kind of a problem with that. How does that stick it to Dana? I understand, I don't, yeah, but I don't understand. get how that hurts. Right. Because I wouldn't do anything that would hurt Dana, but I don't understand how that would hurt Dana. And so, yeah, my explanation for what Chela is asking here is, well, he could probably screw the UFC by making people confuse the UFC with scripted entertainment. That may have been Vince's intention, something that they definitely had to combat in earlier years a ton. To be fair, I still get asked this question to this day from time to time, so I can definitely see nearly 15 years ago when I was getting asked this question a ton more, even just as a fan. You were a mixed martial arts fighter. Yes. That's what you were doing. Yeah. And now you are a professional wrestler. 
Yes. Right? <laughs> okay, so explain the difference to me, to, for me to understand that. But the other side of it to me is an obvious power play. Send a message to the brass that Dana Stars may not be as loyal as he actually thinks. But how about going from taking UFC stars like Chael Sonnen or Brock in recent years, you had bidding wars like Gable Stevenson. But what about going after the UFC's matchmaker himself? Yes, at one point, the WWE, according to Dave Meltzer with a Wrestling Observer, reported that Vince tried to poach the UFC's then longtime matchmaker in Joe Silva? Man, that is a random one. A booker is the title for somebody who match makes in the WWE, but there's a whole lot more responsibilities to it. I respect you, booker man. Maybe that was the role in mind, but I can't imagine that one making sense for Joe Silva. Usually it's a very experienced person in the industry who handles that role. I know he was a major fan growing up, but it takes a good bit more than that. No matter what he would have done for the WWE, it absolutely would sabotage their matchmaking process considering how pivotal he was to the organization until he left way later in 2016. By the way, to my knowledge, Joe Silva was never made another offer after that, which leans even more into the the idea that was about messing with the UFC's structure than anything else. And this next one, White versus McMahon. No, literally. You want to talk about crazy promotional tactics? Well, if you get crazier than this one. Sure, a scripted match was also on the table, but Vince actually challenged Dana to a real fight. Let me tell you something, and I'll, I'll tell you this, and I've never, I've never said this before ever in an interview anywhere. If Vince hears this, he's going to go nuts, okay? <laughs> Vince is too old. Vince wanted to fight me. Come on. I swear to God. Called me up and said, let's do it. Let's do it. At, we can either do it in the UFC or let's do it at WrestleMania. That's amazing. Ariel Wani followed up with Dana again, and he gave the same reason for why Vince would do this. You took that call with Vince. What was your reaction? Uh, I said, you're crazy. Are you crazy? I laughed and said, you're crazy. Did you think he was joking? No. He's a competitive maniac. Is it a personal <laughs> thing? Like, do you think he doesn't like you? Does he want to Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he wanted to kick my ass on national television. I don't know. He's a competitive maniac. Yeah, a competitive maniac. It's a weird one to understand in terms of how this would hurt the UFC. I mean, if he managed to win, it's just the promoter, not one of their fighters, but perhaps he saw beating up Dana White as a potentially humiliating event for the promotion. And in fairness, this tactic wasn't entirely original. Actually, with one of Vince's old competitors, they publicly tried the same thing with the WCW and Eric Bischoff after WWE started to beat them in the ratings again. It'll be me and you, McMahon in the ring. Can you imagine this though? A real fight. What do you guys think though? And I should say that there is another alternate theory to this one, which could be just as plausible from Dave Meltzer with the Wrestling Observer that says Vince was trying to lure Brock back, who is then still under exclusive contract to the UFC for a one-off WrestleMania match. So maybe Dana would be more agreeable if he was part of the match too? Not sure I buy that one, but I suppose this does line up with The Undertaker's post-fight call-out near the end of 2010. You wanna do it? This was for the 2011 WrestleMania, but Dana seemed to think it was out of pure competitiveness. He's a competitive maniac. All right, then blocking fighters. So we've already talked about how Vince would try to take UFC stars, commentators, top executives. That's all trying to take people from the UFC. But what about trying to stop people from his side going to them? Case in point, CM Punk. 
Now, hear me out, Vince could have actually helped the UFC's credibility by stopping him from going to the UFC, but hey, I can probably kick your ass. McMahon entirely tried to dissuade him from even appearing on UFC TV in a harmless promotional capacity. It would have benefited both parties. Ironic considering how interested Vince was in stealing the UFC's talent. More specifically, ironic because of Vince's reason. According to CM Punk in his infamous interview on Colt Cabana's podcast, Vince went scorched earth in trying to convince Punk to avoid ever appearing as a guest on UFC programming. Hey, uh, I, my friend Chael's fighting in Chicago for UFC, and I already talked to all of them, and they're totally cool with the idea. I'm going to walk him to the Octagon, and tomorrow's the Royal Rumble, so it'll get some last-minute buys. No offense to Chael. Nobody's going to be talking about him. They're going to be talking about the WWE champion walking him to the Octagon. Oh my God, Phil, no, we can't do that. that that's barbaric. Did you... Somebody's gonna die. He sort of died Wait, in your ring. Someone's gonna die. That's what he said. What does he that said mean? Some, he said somebody was gonna die in the octagon. Everyone's gonna die. And of course, Vince had to take it beyond that. Did, and then he was also appalled. Did you know that they're gonna have women fight in the octagon soon? And I was like. Yeah. It makes you wonder how many other times Vince had blocked this sort of thing from happening. But again, super ironic considering he wanted to steal the UFC's talent to bolster the WWE's credibility. I mean, this went all the way back to Ken Shamrock in the 90s. And he even went as far as to market Brock on the credibility of his UFC championship when he went back to the WWE. So clearly this was much more about blocking and screwing the UFC out of opportunities while smearing the sport in the process with the things he said. The chill walkout would have gone viral back then, so it's a weird one. And although we never heard Vince McMahon's side of the story on Brock at UFC 200 in 2016, we did hear a bit from Stephanie McMahon that essentially said they weren't officially supporting the fight against Mark Hunt, which, to be fair, is understandable. Why would they risk their star getting injured and missing dates with them as a result? But this was Brock's response on the UFC 200 media call to what Stephanie said. She said, um, we're not necessarily supporting it. Those, those were her words. Um, I don't, I don't know. I don't care what she says. I really don't give a shit. More than anything, I think it shows how much of a star was to pull off the entire idea of getting Vince to let him go fight there. At least by then, though, you started to see the competitive perspective Vince once had beginning to change a bit. He did still give Dana White cheap seats. I gave him much better seats than he gave me when I went to see Ronda. <laughs> People were coming up to me and going, why are you sitting in these seats? I said, well, this is where they sat me, so fuck them, I'm going to sit right here. But of course, things get way crazier than this. No deal. If you are not an ESPN 30 for 30 fan, one episode I would recommend might change your opinion on that if you found this video interesting at all. That is the original XFL episode. So why is this relevant to anything? Well, it just so happens that for decades, Vince McMahon had worked up a great relationship with NBC top executives and most closely, Dick Ebersole. I said to my wife, I want to put Vince in the will to watch over our kids if anything ever happens to me. And I still feel that way today. So when the UFC was finally leaving Spike TV in the early 2010s and looking for a new TV deal, it was going to be a massive jump in the sport from cable TV to network TV, which means a much larger audience as a result. Turns out one of the original major networks in talks with the UFC was none other than NBC. You might already be able to see where this is going by now. With that level of relationship between Vince and NBC, well, yeah, he had a little bit more control here. You know, we were about to do a deal with NBC 
we get to the one yard line and Vince has the final say who can go on USA Network and who can't uh, if you're a combat sport. Wow. Lorenzo and I flew out to Connecticut, sat down with him and we're like, hey, we're doing a deal with NBC. You know, and Vince just sits back like Vince sits and, and, and you know how, how he is. But you need to sign off on it. He's like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. And we're like, why? <laughs> eh, I'm just not interested in it. I don't, I, I, I don't like the idea you guys being on USA Network. So the whole deal blows up. Wow. Talk about a power trip. And in case you didn't know, this also could have happened with Spike TV. For whatever reason, Vince McMahon let it through and regretted it. Maybe he just wanted to be the big dog. I don't know what it was. But whatever the reason, he wasn't about to let this happen again on the new network with NBC, which also happens to run USA Network's programming, where Raw was. Again, this was during a time where Vince was very clearly trying to sabotage the UFC in various ways around 2011 and 2012. And it's just another example of him plainly trying to screw over the UFC. All right, and this is our last one trying to ban them outright. These days, the UFC and MMA are pretty much everywhere. Sure, there are still a few places that they have yet to legalize the sport, but that's definitely the exception and no longer the rule now. But back in the early 2010s, there was still a ton of ground to be made up, including getting into New York. You have two nearly naked hot men rolling around on top of one another, trying to dominate each other. And just in case you don't know, that's gay porn with a different ending. One such place was Germany, according to MMA Fighting, the Bavarian State Media Authority, or BLM, yes, that is actually their initialism, had banned the UFC on television on the grounds that, quote, the events were a violation of general morality and an undesirable influence on youth, unquote. Okay, what the hell? This would last for about five years as a court ruled it as, quote, a plausible sport. These word choices are absolutely insane to me. Anyway, believe it or not, Vince McMahon allegedly influenced these authorities across Europe with bands like this. Oliver Kopp, who was in charge of marketing duties for the WWE and who also held a commentary position in Germany for them, he would also later go on to fulfill some of those same duties for the UFC in Germany. Well, as reported by multiple outlets said that, I'll just have to read the quote. This is in reference to Dana White discussing holding an event at Cowboy Stadium around 2010, by the way. I promise it'll make sense. Unless the UFC managed to pack a stadium they go into, it'll be negative for the brand's development. WWE, for instance, is only waiting for a high-profile failure like that to try and mock the UFC. They are already actively trying to get the UFC banned in many European countries. Don't give them ammunition. Cop would also go on to say, yeah, WWE's that shady. Of course, UFC isn't competition, and that's why they don't really care how the UFC does. Just like TNA, which also isn't considered real competition, but who they constantly try to screw with. The bottom line is WWE don't like it too much when UFC's bottom of the barrel show still outdraw 90% of the WWE pay-per-views in North America. It all just goes to show how powerful Vince McMahon has been in the television industry at these times. And although he might have been saying these things were distinct and separate non-competition publicly, that apparently wasn't the case behind the scenes. 
So there you have it, guys. As somebody who is a massive fan of the Attitude Era and still enjoys going back to watch some of those old WWF and WCW days. So I found this whole topic incredibly compelling. For those wondering, Dana has played hardball with plenty of people over the years. I mean, just look at him versus practically any other MMA organization or half the boxing promoters out there. But you don't find much retaliation towards Vince. At least not any that's been made public. I do really just think that's how big the WWE was in comparison to the UFC, particularly in the television industry. The UFC had already been beating them in pay-per-view for years, but that doesn't mean they were doing better TV ratings on a weekend, week-out basis than WWE. But the other side of this is that Dana always publicly professes a ton of respect for Vince, so I'm not 100% sure the reason. You just don't really have any stories about it. Anyhow, let me know if there's anything I missed on this one. And on that note, if you'd like to be involved in this creative process a little bit more and help out the channel in general, you can do so by joining our writers meetings weekly, which is currently near half the price to join our Hall of Fame members program. So shout out to the Hall of Famers while I'm saying that. But thanks to absolutely everyone who watched. Catch you guys on the next video. Peace.